You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. It is Tuesday, March 22nd. And want to start uh, today's show with some discussion about spring football because TCU football hit the field today, this morning. And obviously, I would love to be talking about TCU basketball in the Sweet 16. Um, but in some ways, the timing is kind of perfect. Season comes to an end, and then football starts right back up with practice. We'll get some news and notes over the next few weeks. But um, I wanted to tackle like the three biggest storylines kind of going into spring camp. Spring uh, game is going to take place on April 22nd. Should be a good look at the team. First off, and listen, I mean, this has been a question for years. Um, I know it's not the most creative storyline, but until it's solved, the question is still there. And in my mind, that's the quarterback position. And with Sonny Dykes coming on board, um, there's some more intrigue there. Sonny's always done well with quarterbacks. He's always done well with offenses. You know, Max Duggan has been the starter for a couple of years. Um, I like Max a lot. I like the leadership, the grit, the toughness he brings to the team. I also think he's just been inconsistent. Um, and some of that might come down to, you know, the offensive coaching staff. We've seen so much. Um, we've, we've seen some turnover with the offensive coaches. We've had an issue of, I think in my mind, not really knowing who's in charge, like too many cooks in the kitchen almost. Sonny Dykes eventually moved on to Texas Tech, um, and then it was just Jerry Kill and Doug Meacham. And at times, last season, it looked better. Like, it looked like there was more of a direction. Uh, but they, uh, the passing game has still struggled. It's never really reached consistency. And honestly, over the last few years, the games in which TCU has been most successful on offense is when they've just bullied people. Like, when they've just run downhill and run all over folks. Uh, and, and they really did that against lesser opponents like Texas Tech and Kansas, um, schools like that. But that was when they looked their best on offense. And it just hasn't been a consistently good, uh, efficient unit for a long time. So who emerges? I know a lot of people are excited about Chandler Morris. I am too. I would just caution and say we really only saw one half of football from him. I mean, I hope he ends up being a great player, a great asset for this team. I think that he could come on the scene and win the job. I don't think that's out of the question. I just have, you know, I I feel like sometimes folks talk about Chandler Morris as he's a finished product and a proven commodity, and we don't, we haven't really seen, we haven't really seen that this year. Um, He's also coming off an injury, so we'll see where he is as spring football progresses. And then Sam Jackson, the talented sophomore, uh, who flashed some some great physical ability in the short time that he spent on the field last year. But again, pretty raw, uh, pretty new. And all these QBs will be learning a new offense. So what does that look like when uh, when these guys get out there and get going? Well, we'll see when it takes place here in spring camp, um, starting on Tuesday morning into you know the rest of the week. But the quarterback position is always a huge question mark. It's a question mark again this year, and until it gets solved, I mean, I think there's just a ceiling to this football team, Um, especially if you're going to have a defense that's struggling, which we expect this defense to struggle a little bit going into 
2022, learning a new system, coming off a year where they were really um, a unit that just got run all over. So QBs, where do they go? And then I think another telling thing at the end of spring football will be, um, is there some movement in the transfer portal? Uh, Does somebody leave? Does somebody come in after spring practice and after the spring game? Secondly, um, the defense in general is a question in my mind, but I'm going to say the defensive line. We've seen some defensive linemen leave um, throughout the offseason, O'Shawn Mathis and Kyrie Coleman moving on. Uh, so who steps up? Like, who steps up in their absence? That, those are the two guys that have had the most starts the last few years. Uh, who comes on the scene and makes things happen? Who slides into that nose tackle role, that defensive tackle role under Joe uh, Joseph Gillespie? And can they stop the run a little bit better? Like, I don't expect to see a huge jump this year. If we do see that, that would be fantastic. But are they able to reestablish the line of scrimmage? Are they able to get to the passer? Because that's been something that's been lacking now at TCU for a few seasons. That was such a stalwart of the program for a long time. The ability to play well up front, especially on that defensive line, to always have physical, fast, quick uh, defensive linemen. So we'll see where they stand. Um, but, yeah, I want to see what that rotation ends up looking like at the end of spring ball, what that depth chart looks like, and who Joe Gillespie um, seems to favor when, you know, we, we start getting prepared for fall camp. And then finally, on the uh, spring camp front, the thing that I'm looking to see, this is not a huge question mark for me. Like, I think regardless of how it shakes out, I, I feel like the position is going to be in good hands. But I wonder who sort of emerges at that running back spot. Zach Evans departs for Old Miss. Um, Kendra Miller has done a really nice job over the last few seasons. Amari DiMercato is very, very experienced. And then you also have the wild card of Amani Bailey coming over from Louisiana. You'll see Traylon Smith from Arkansas later. He won't go through spring camp. But who steps up and is a factor um, in the backfield? Because we have, you know, Ulysses Bentley, who's also headed to Old Miss, funny enough. The SMU running back, he was super effective last year. Um, typically in a Sunny Dykes offense, running backs are split in time. Do you have a, more of a downhill back like Bailey and Miller getting a lot of carries? And then maybe Di Mercado and Smith when he gets here being more of a factor in the receiving game. Um, DeMarque Foster also in that mix. So who steps up at that running back spot? That'll be a huge um, thing to parse out and to see what happens because – you know, TCU backs have been effective lately. Like, even though the offensive line struggled to pass block, run blocking has been something that they've excelled at. So we'll see where they are. And I also want to see just what this team looks like physically after an offseason under a new strength and conditioning staff. Those are all going to be questions that we'll at least have some more clarity to at the end of spring football. When we come back, another TCU football note, um, a change to the staff in addition to the coaching staff. And then we'll also... Can I have one final look at TCU basketball before they hit the offseason? This is Locked on Horn Frogs. All right, segment two of Locked on Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. Uh, so uh, another note on the TCU football world, in the TCU football world, in addition to the staff, a new recruiting coordinator, <clears throat> Aaron Hodges, coming over from Louisville, um, where he was in that same capacity recruiting coordinator there, this is another addition after the Rashad Samples departure. Now, his title is not recruiting coordinator. He was a running backs coach. But they're just kind of adding some staff members, beefing up their recruiting infrastructure since uh, Coach Samples is such a big part of that um, during his short time at TCU. 
So Hodges comes over from Louisville. Again, he was only there for one season. He hasn't been anywhere long, so that's something to note. He was only at Texas Tech for a year under Matt Wells. Um, he did his best work at Purdue. He was there for three seasons, and the Boilermakers had uh, three classes in the top 30, which is pretty unheard of for Purdue. I mean, that's a place where um, you're not getting the best of the best when it comes to athletes, especially having to compete with Ohio State and Michigan there in the Big Ten. I'm um, also spent some time at Valparaiso, Kent State, uh, had some time at Ohio State as the director of player personnel. So sort of knows the Midwest area well, seems to really thrive there. Uh, did spend some time in Lubbock, so I assume has you know some relationship with Texas high school football coaches, but is probably going to have to build that up. Brian Carrington will be a huge help in doing that, I'm sure. Um, but he knows this world, right? He knows recruiting. Uh, I'm sure he's pretty adept and um, familiar with the way the recruiting world has changed over the past few seasons. And it's another young coach who I think is going to bring some energy and some enthusiasm to TCU. Uh, I guess the big question is just how long is he going to be here? Maybe this is a place he can settle for a while after bouncing around a few different places through the years. But, I mean, to a certain extent, that's just college coaching in 2022. And we've already seen, um, I mean, these things just it, – it's a year-round business now where you can have somebody think they're going to make it to the fall with you and then they end up somewhere else. Uh, but, yeah, new director of recruiting, Aaron Hodges, coming over from Louisville. So um, excited to see what he can bring to Fort Worth as part of Sonny Dyke's staff. Okay, talking TCU basketball for a moment. Um, really proud of this team. I think I shared that you know late uh, Sunday night into Monday morning when I recorded the podcast after the game, and I'm super excited for the future. And you know the first domino that's going to fall is is Mike Miles and his NBA prospects. I don't know what he's going to do. I'm sure he'll um, put his hat in the in the ring. You know, right? Like get evaluated by NBA scouts, get some feedback from the NBA draft committee, and then he'll make a decision. If he does move on, best of luck to him. Um, he really changed the culture of TCU basketball. I think uh, him and Eddie Lampkin and, and a lot of those transfers this year just brought a grit and a toughness that this program had been missing for a long, long time. Um, local kid, you know, came here, did exceeded expectations in my mind, and was a great leader for this team. If he runs it back, then I'm, I'm super excited about TCU basketball, obviously, because you got a lot of these core players coming back. You know, can Micah Peavy become more of an offensive threat? Can Eddie Lamb can continue to work on his uh, game in the post? Could he find a mid-range jump shot that doesn't allow uh, defenses to just sort of sag back on him and pack the paint? How does Damian Ball grow in the offseason with all of his athleticism? What do we see from uh, potentially Shada Wells and Maxwell Evans if they end up coming back and are healthy? You know, two players that they were excited about that could slip in those guard roles uh, this past year and, and into next year. That's going to be really fun. Um, P.J. Haggerty's going to join the team. Uh, he'll be a freshman. He's a kid that can fill it up that was really able to score the basketball in high school. And then, I mean, I think the big, the big um, priority going into this year, if you're going to look at the transfer portal, and I honestly don't know how much turnover we're going to see because last year we saw the entire roster 
really change over. They were coming off a bad season. I mean, this group, like, they have some limitations, but they also had a fantastic year given the expectations of TCU basketball. So I'm not sure that Jamie Dixon is going to look and, and be like, well, hey, we need um, to upgrade at a couple different spots. We're going to need you to move on. I just I don't know if that's going to – if it's going to go down like that. But um, you need some more shooters. So if you have room – to add one or two guys in the portal who can really shoot the basketball, that would be fantastic. Or, I mean, I think Francisco Farabella is a really pure shooter. I'm just not sure uh, you can put him on the floor for significant minutes because he struggles defensively, and he's really just a, a spot-up um, three-point shooter. I mean, he's not somebody that's going to do a lot off the bounce and, and create his own shot. Um, so these are going to be big questions next year. You know, Emmanuel Miller – is a special player. I love the toughness and the energy he brings. Um, I think some more size would be welcome as all as well. You can never have enough of that, but just somebody else who can kind of mix it up down low and uh, create some better matchups when they play teams like Arizona. These are going to be the things that will be huge for TCU basketball in the offseason. But, man, what a year that they had, um, and I'm excited to see how they grow and how they develop going into the 2022-2023 season next year. That'll do it for Locked on Horn Frogs today. Thank you for joining me. Excited about spring football. We'll have plenty of coverage of that over the next few weeks. Uh, it's part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.